So children who witness abuse, children who are abused or witness traumatic events are at high risk of developing an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. Welcome to the Mind Over Body podcast. This is your host and certified hypnotherapist, B. Thank you for joining me today. Today, let's talk about what really creates anxiety. So we can really understand what's going on behind the scenes, what triggers for you to have anxiety, what makes you have those anxious thoughts, those uncomfortable feelings, because we can't really change something we don't really understand, right? So let's dive deeper into causes, triggers. And before we start, I have to tell you, you're not going to get a definitive answer from this episode because there is no definitive answer. Many people, many scientists working on this issue, many people still don't have a definitive cause. There is not one definitive cause for anxiety. But we are going to explore different, different reasons, different, different things that potentially may trigger the anxious response from you. And before we start with that, let's really understand what anxiety really feels like and it may feel in a variety of ways and of course the most common one is going to be generalized anxiety disorder you will be diagnosed when you go to a licensed professional and then you may start the therapeutic process following that but sometimes anxiety can be a bit more complicated and it can even exist in certain situations where you didn't think anxiety was much involved For example, when we talk about phobias and fears, there's usually a strong anxiety problem in many of the fears and phobias. So let's talk about a few very common phobias and fears that involve severe anxiety. The first one is going to be agoraphobia. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but agoraphobia is when someone is kind of fearful of closed spaces. There is usually a fear of closed spaces. They are not usually comfortable traveling in public transportation or being in closed places. Sometimes they may be afraid of leaving the house or even driving. So this usually involves a severe anxiety, just thinking of how they can get out of those situations can create anxiety just expecting or worrying about for example say you have to go to doctor and you have to take the public transportation so just the thought of that public transportation can create additional discomfort about going to doctor and it can even turn into a full-blown panic attack Another very common phobia is emetophobia, which is fear of vomiting. It's a lot more common than you would think. You probably wouldn't know because it's something that many people are not comfortable talking with clearly because it sounds silly when someone tells you that. But in reality, it's really, really important and it's very, very uncomfortable for someone who is experiencing emetophobia. Because they usually feel like they may vomit anytime, although they have nothing in their stomach or they have no reason to vomit. 
So they may be avoiding going to social gatherings. They may not like traveling in public transportation. They may not like going to work. They may not like leaving the house because they always want to make sure that if they need to vomit, they are comfortable. They're not shamed. They are not watched by others and they don't find themselves in an uncomfortable situation. So you can already see how uncomfortable that might be and just thinking because you know life goes on you have to go out you have to go to grocery shopping you have to go work you probably have to see other people so just imagine how terrible this gets every time you think about what you're gonna do when you go to grocery shopping and what will happen if you get nauseous there it just adds a lot of pressure and creates a very severe anticipatory anxiety and it just adds right back into that full-blown anxiety that is carried within and the third one that i'm going to talk about is the social phobia this one may sound like many people have social phobia but in reality this one is a bit more severe If you have social phobia, probably you are having some avoidance behaviors, like you're avoiding gatherings, you're avoiding some people, you're avoiding the uncomfortable situations. So it's not just like, I don't want to go out tonight. It's more so you're going out of your way. You're making changes in your life to avoid that situation. Phobias and fears are not the only things that involve anxiety. So social anxiety is another anxiety disorder that involves severe anxiety. Panic disorder clearly starts with anxiety and keeps building up. OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, involves a lot of severe anxiety. And of course, PTSD involves severe anxiety, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. You may or may not be aware of the level of your anxiety, but again, just to remind, if you feel an uncomfortable anxiety and if if it's really disturbing your daily life, you should definitely seek out help from a licensed professional. But from this point on, we are going to explore more about what really creates anxiety. Again, like I said, probably you're not going to get a definitive answer from this episode. You may not even get a definitive answer in your whole life because even the licensed professionals that you will visit, they really don't have a lot of idea of where this comes from. We still don't know much about the brain. We don't know majority of the brain. We are working and making guesses based on the experiments and the scientific studies that we made, but we still don't know why certain things are happening and how certain things are happening. For example, many scientists don't know how the antidepressants work in the brain, but they just know it works. And they also don't know why it doesn't work on some people. So it's just a lot of guessing based on the results of those scientific studies. So certain things that apply to majority of the people are more likely that they will help you. But in case it doesn't help you, We don't know why it doesn't help you or we don't know how it helped to the other people in the beginning. Because neuroscience is still a very young developing field and the more we learn, the more we can learn about the brain, but the brain is still a very complicated organ. 
So in other words, exact cause of anxiety is still very unknown. But some research indicate that there is a combination of a few factors such as diet, stress and genetics that contribute to anxiety. So let's go over a few of those. Number one thing that can lead to anxiety is medical problems such as heart disease, diabetes, thyroid problems, respiratory disorders, drug misuse or withdrawal. For example, if you're trying to stop your addiction, withdrawal from alcohol or anti-anxiety medications, chronic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, tumors. These medical disorders can lead to anxiety. But also, if you paid attention to the type of diseases that I talked about, most of them are really related with stress and high levels of anxiety also. It actually made me think, is it chicken from the egg or egg from the chicken? So did you have the drug misuse problem to deal with your anxiety? And as a result, when you're trying to stop the drug use, you got even more anxiety or you had high chronic pain because your stress levels were very high, you were very anxious, and as a result, you had more pain, and the more pain caused you more anxiety. These medical problems and how they're associated to anxiety is still very vague to me because I know that these problems can be caused by anxiety also. So is it anxiety creating these medical problems? Or is it these medical problems leading to anxiety? I think it's a very big question that we all need to consider and think of and don't give in. Just because you have chronic pain, just tell yourself, I have chronic pain, this is it for me. I need, I, because I have the pain, I have to deal with anxiety. It doesn't have to be the end spot for you. There may be so many more things that you can do to ease the anxiety that can help you also ease the pain, in other words. In Healthline.com, they talk about a few brain studies that try to understand how anxiety is created in the brain or how it is stimulated. And it says that certain parts of the brain, such as the amygdala and hippocampus, are also being studied. Your amygdala is a small structure deep inside your brain that processes stress. It alerts the rest of your brain when there are signs of danger. It can trigger a fear and anxiety response. It seems to play a part in anxiety disorders that involve fear of specific things, such as cats, bees, or drowning. Your hippocampus may also affect your risk of developing an anxiety disorder. It's a region of your brain that's involved in storing memories of threatening events. It appears to be smaller in people who experience child abuse or served in combat. So this kind of makes me think that once the hippocampus is already triggered, it almost feels like you are in danger in a prolonged time, although the danger usually passes after the onset of the event. And that may be putting you at risk of developing anxiety in the future or in the present. So let's dive deeper into that. Another reason someone may develop anxiety disorder is of course trauma. And that's how trauma stimulates the brain. Due to hippocampus, this part of feeling threatened may be activated for prolonged times. So children who witness abuse, children who are abused, 
or witness traumatic events are at high risk of developing an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. Or also adults who experience traumatic events, who are exposed to traumatic events, can develop anxiety disorders. Another very common reason that can lead to anxiety disorder is stress. This is a very intense stress due to an illness or a stress buildup when you have a significant life change, like when you change your job, when you move to a different place, when you get a divorce or, you know, very significant things changing in your life or when you're going through a significant illness, like going through an accident and not being able to do the things that you used to do in the past or going through cancer treatments and not really feeling like yourself can really threaten that part of your brain, which is always focusing on survival. According to the medical news today, personality is a very important factor that may contribute to an anxiety disorder because with certain personality types, people are more prone to have anxiety disorders than others. And again, according to medical news today, other mental disorders can lead to anxiety, having blood relatives with an anxiety disorder, and of course, drugs and alcohol can lead to anxiety disorder. So these are all great points, and combination of these can lead to anxiety disorder. One of them can lead to anxiety disorder. So it's really hard to determine which one it is for you. But from my experience, I actually gathered four main areas that has been triggering people very, very commonly. And of course, you may not fall into any of these four categories and you may be very different from that. But it may be important to keep these in mind to really understand what may be going on with you. So number one is childhood trauma or any kind of trauma actually. Being exposed to trauma, growing up in an unstable environment, like growing up in different, different homes, being abused as a child, being neglected, witnessing someone you care, like your primary caregiver being abused can really threaten the child's survival. And that can create an anxiety response. And eventually that creates that normal of being anxious all the time, you know, expecting unknown in every next step, not knowing what's coming next. And everything is focused upon survival because the survival instinct has been threatened since the child has been trying to survive in this world. So childhood trauma can really, really affect someone's anxiety, even from childhood into the adulthood, or it can develop later in adulthood. Another thing I was witnessing was later in life trauma. And this can be something like losing someone you truly love. This can be something like going through a criminal event, like being a rape victim or being in an abusive relationship. Any of these situations that may have threatened the person can lead to anxiety or high levels of anxiety as well. Another thing that I recognize is that when someone goes through a significant life change, like job stress, when they're going through positions, changing positions, changing companies, or having to stop a job that they truly loved can lead to a very significant anxiety. 
or moving to different cities, different countries, moving in with someone and going through something like a life-changing disease, going through cancer treatments, trying to recover after heart attack, going through chronic pain can really, really lead to chronic stress, therefore leading to high levels of anxiety. And finally, I, it, this is my, again, observation, is overusing your mind and your body, which means that probably you're working for more than eight hours, you're taking on more tasks that you, than you can do. Many mothers or new parents can really, I think, relate to this because you're multitasking, trying to keep your family life, but also trying to keep your work life and also trying to focus on yourself. And when you overuse your mind and your body, you start developing chronic stress, which can eventually, if it's really maintained like that in a long time, it can lead to high levels of anxiety as well. So as you can see, there may be many reasons why someone develops anxiety. And this may not be one thing, or this may be only one thing. So it, it's really going to depend on who you are, your lifestyle, how you grew up with, and start trying to understand where do you think your anxiety may be coming from. We talked about many things from medical reasons to medications to drugs to childhood history or your life history, and you know yourself better than anyone. So take an inventory of your life, what you did, how you did, how did you respond to certain events. And maybe you didn't realize it in the past because many of us are great suppressors. And instead of dealing with the situations on the onset, we tend to push them below and we think that we are going to deal with them when we are ready. And of course, we are never ready. We think that they just disappeared. Instead, that comes up to us in form of very severe anxiety, very uncomfortable feelings and very stressful situations. So take an inventory of your life, try to see where you are standing. And it may still be hard to understand where your anxiety comes from. But the more we can understand, better view you can have over your anxiety. And therefore, you can have better management over your anxiety. For example, if you find that you've been really taking on a lot more than you can handle, say you were trying to do all the tasks at home, but also you were trying to handle your kids and your work and your relationships and yourself, and simply you just, you're just one person and it's not enough. And if you find that that may be creating anxiety, maybe the solution can be asking help from others or focusing more on yourself or only completing the tasks that are very, very important for you on that day, trying to get rid of some of the tasks and being okay with not doing them. So it really depends on your own reason. And the more you understand your own reason, the better management you can have overall over this anxiety. And before we end, again, remember, Hypnotherapy is a great way to deal with all of these angles, whether it's a childhood trauma, whether it's an emotional trauma later in life, whether it's having hard times managing your tasks in your daily life or having an easier transition during your life change. Hypnotherapy is very, very helpful because it works with the suppressed subconscious emotions. It works with helping you connect to that subconscious power and knowledge that you have within. But it's always good to keep in mind that if you feel like this anxiety is disturbing your daily life, it's getting out of control, 
the first thing that you always need to do is go and ask for help from a licensed professional. And then hypnotherapy, in addition to that, can be a great adjunct to ease that transition process to help you get quicker, better, and more efficient results. And in the next week, we're going to dive deeper and deeper into anxiety and come up with more real life solutions that you can start applying in your life. So tune into the next week's episode too. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your comments, questions, your own story. So please email me at begum at b-hypnotize.com and feel free to check out my website www.mindoverbodypodcast.com and I'm excited to have you here. 